Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Well, thank you for being with us today. What a joy it is to be able to come to the house of the Lord and to be able to worship together. And I know this is very difficult for a lot of people to imagine that we're going to have an online church service and how will that work and will I feel the presence of the Lord? Well, i tell you how it works. The same God that's in the building at the church is the same God that's in your house or in your motel room or wherever you are. You may be driving down the interstate in an 18-wheeler and you're listening on your cell phone. You may be in a motel room watching on your iPad or you may be uh, traveling somewhere in an airport and you're watching uh, on your laptop. But wherever you are, God said in His precious Word that He would abide with us and that we would meet with Him and He would meet with us. And so I find comfort in that today. The church is not a building. The church is the body of Christ. And so however we meet, if it's electronically or whatever, we are able to worship Him in spirit and truth. I want to encourage you today that uh, I know the nation has declared a state of emergency. I know that the state of North Carolina has declared a state of emergency. But I want you to know that earlier today, I talked to heaven. They have not declared a state of emergency. God's still in charge and He is on the throne. And His sovereignty is still the sanity of the church. We trust the Lord that He will walk through us every step of the way. As you well know, we just returned from the nation of Israel and once again, we were able to go to the valley of the shadow of death. And it refreshed my memory very vividly the fact that you cannot get from one mountaintop to the next mountaintop unless you walk through a valley. You have to go through the valley to get to the next mountaintop. And I'm going to tell you something. If God will use this event to touch the heart of America, and if America will pay attention, God will make us a stronger people, and He'll bring back to the nation that rebirth of spiritual awakening that we've all been praying for. Our nation's at a crossroad. We face an election this year. We face health crisis, and we understand more than ever our children need a foundation, our home needs a foundation, our church needs a foundation, and our nation, bless this nation that has been blessed by God, we need to return to Him in faith believing. So I hope that you'll do that. You say, well, Brother Ralph, isn't this a scary time? Well, you know, it's a time of uncertainty, and it's a time maybe of anxiousness. But for us, the Bible believer, we walk into the uncertain, and we walk into the anxiety with the confidence that God's Word is truth. And we're going to hold on to the promises of God and we're going to claim them together. So today we can smile, we can rejoice, and we can even say that it's good to be saved and it's good for us to be able to worship together. I want you to take your Bible and before I read my text scripture, I want to read to you something that sort of shall be our theme through this whole process. We do not, we do not know how long 
uh, we're going to have to face the situation as a people, as a nation. But God said in 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The gift from God is that no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, no matter what you have to face or go through, uh, that God said, I'll be with you. I won't abandon you. I will give you that, that faith of, of the power of the Word of God because that power is not my power. It's not your power. It's not a religious power. It's not a building power, but it is the power of the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And that is encouraging to me. And then of love. I thought uh, earlier in the week, Boy, if there's ever been a time we need to be kind one to another, we need to love each other, we need to care about each other. Uh, the Bible says, you know, you pass from death unto life because you what? You love the brethren. And so God said, I will not only give you this because I don't want you to have the spirit of fear. I'm going to give you the power of my word. I'm going to give you the fact that we can love one another. And then the third element that he gives us in that verse is of a sound mind. That's mental health. That's the very thing that we need to have a foundation. I know what I believe and I know why I believe it. And I'm not looking to the things of this world. I'm not looking for a political party to solve my problem. I'm not looking for a national government or a state government. I'm looking to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all ought to rejoice in that together today. All right, take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to go back to a very familiar passage of Scripture that talks about the element of what we can see and understand uh, for the day and hour that we're living in. And I thought about several things, a message of comfort, and I thought about a message of encouragement. And then I thought, well, there's no greater encouragement or comfort than to have a spiritual awakening. That's the greatest comfort I can have is to see that my children, my grandchildren, my family, my friends, they're drawing nigh to the Lord. And what would provoke us drawing nigh to the Lord? So I wrote down this little subject earlier in the week. It says, when God puts America in timeout. When God puts America in timeout. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Ralph? Well, think with me on this subject. As a parent, we use many methods to help our children. We use many things to encourage them and to help them grow and mature. Obviously, positive reinforcement is the major thing that we use. We love the child, we encourage the child, and we help the child say, you know what, you can do this, I'll help you, you can study, you can acquire, you can learn math, you can learn to hit the baseball, and we positively re-encourage, re-enforce uh, our children and encourage them in what they do. Then we try to make sure that they're educated and then we try to give to them our life experience. We try to instruct them along the way. And what do we tell our children many times over and over? You remember some of the rules we've had over the years? They haven't changed from one generation to the other. Uh, don't run with scissors. Uh, uh, don't chase your ball out into the street between cars. Don't play with matches. That was one of my favorite ones. And then uh, don't leave the yard. You know, if you go into the backyard, stay in your yard. Don't leave it. 
basic things that you teach the children about safety. One that was very popular at my house when some of my children were very uh, young was uh, don't put that in a light socket again. Uh, but we've all heard that uh, shout of joy. But, but uh, you think about as a loving parent, you care about the health and safety of the child. And if you break the rules, then there's going to be a consequence. There's going to be a chastening. And the first chastening that comes as a parent to a child is broken fellowship. You disappointed daddy. You disappointed mama. I hope you'll never, ever do that again. And sometimes not only is there a loss of fellowship, but sometimes there's a loss of privilege. You can't watch TV. No Xbox. No cell phone if it's really serious. Those are loss of privileges. And then if there's a continuous uh, breaking of the rules and, and things for their safety, then sometimes the parents would go on to say, well, uh, you're going to have a, a loss of freedom. You're going to be grounded. You can't go over to your friend's house. You can't go to the ball game. You're going to be grounded. And then one other thing that we use many times as parents is a loss of position. And when I say loss of position, it's when mom and dad takes that child and says, you're going to go to time out. I'm going to bring you in, I'm going to put you in a chair, and you're going to go in timeout. And timeout's pretty old. Dennis the Menace, he was always in timeout. He was always in the corner. And so, but it has to do with a loss of position. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the world today, a lot of things happening in the country today. And if you think about it, stop and think, think what you are doing as a nation, as a world, you think about our country and our communities and how do we respond to that? It looks like God's put us in time out. And by that I mean, think what God has done. God has allowed certain things to happen. God didn't start this virus. God didn't start uh, people getting sick. That's not what happened. But when things happen, I always try to look to see if I can understand is there a message inside what's happening? Is God speaking to us about something special? So that I could stop and I could think about why is this happening? Or what would be the outcome that would uh, make sure that I would not have uh, uh, failed to audit my life and fail to look on the inside? And you think with me for just a moment about a virus so small, so tiny, that you need a microscope to see it. But yet that virus has placed the entire world in a timeout. One little bug, one little virus. You can't see it. You can't box it. You can't label it. It's so small, a microscope has to pick it up. And you think about what that little virus did to China. China, a city of 11 million. And what did that city end up being? It ended up being in timeout. You couldn't leave the city. You had to stay put. You couldn't go outside the city limits. Businesses were closed. Factories were closed. And you saw that the school systems were shut down. And the entire 11 million people were placed in timeout. Think about South Korea. We saw the Samsung factory there in timeout. We saw the university in timeout. We saw the churches in timeout. Everything has come to a grinding halt all because of a small 
minute virus that has the power to invade through the mucous membrane of the human body. It cannot be seen, it cannot be felt, it cannot be detected except by a microscope. But yet the power of that little bug can make stadiums be emptied and soccer fields have no matches and military maneuvers were put on hold in South Korea. Spain had to stop its great festivals and there we saw conferences and concerts. Everything stopped and there was quietness. I saw a picture earlier today of Newark, New, uh, Newark, New Jersey, the big airport, and it looked like a ghost town. I heard a news commentator talking on Friday. He said he had appointments in Washington, D.C. early in the morning. Usually he would have to battle traffic and then get to the Capitol. And he said downtown Washington, it looked like a ghost town. He said it was eerie. It was uncomfortable for him to see the city emptied out. What happened? Everything that had a plan, everything that had an event, everything that was all put together on a calendar and a day timer and said, this is what we'll do Friday. This is where we'll go. This is where we'll have lunch. This is the event that we will carry out. And all of that stopped and went to timeout. Think about, have you ever heard of an entire country being quarantined? But Italy, with its mutated virus, even more uh, potent than the one that was in China, you think of that, an entire nation in quarantine. Stores and shops, schools and factories, all of them restricted. And Italy, as a nation, is in timeout today. Remember a few weeks ago, we were studying together here in the sanctuary at Trinity Baptist. We were talking about all those prophetic events that happened in one week. Remember, we went through seven events in seven days and it was unbelievable. We were in Matthew 24 and we read those events and we talked about the, the desert locusts and what it was doing down in Africa, placing 26 million people in jeopardy of famine. And then we talked about the earthquake swarms all the way from the West Coast to Oklahoma to major uh, earthquakes that were dotting the globe at that particular seven-day period. And then, almost for just a moment, we talked about a virus. It was all China then, a coronavirus. And, and we were just seeing the beginning of that. And I read this scripture to you, and I want to read it again out of Matthew 24. And uh, we'll go all the way down to verse number 3. And Jesus is with his disciples upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And then here comes verse 6 and 7. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But notice this phrase, but the end is not yet. If you have a red letter edition of the Word of God there in your home, you'll notice that these words are in red. They're coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then look at verse 7. And nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. 
And then the key verse, verse number 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning. Now, I want to remind you of the sequencing of events in Matthew 24, verses 3 through 8. This is not the tribulation. This is not the, the tribulation that I'm talking about today. This scripture that I'm talking about will be tribulation scripture. The events that we're seeing right now with the coronavirus, we're not in the tribulation. The earthquakes we're having now, we're not in the tribulation. But here's what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. We're walking up to the time of the great tribulation. If you have time later today in the privacy of your home, you can read the book of Jude and you can find out where we're located on God's time chart today. We're in the book of Jude. We're right before the revelation of the Antichrist. And what God would want you to be encouraged with is think of this. God allowed you to be alive when Matthew 24 verse 8 is starting into process. We're seeing the beginning of the end. We're seeing the starting point. We're seeing the impetus begin to go into motion. We're seeing the mighty hand of a holy God reach down and strike the pendulum of prophetic events and begin the final tick-tock down to the end of time. Matthew 24 is tribulation, but we're not there yet, but we're in that eighth verse. We're seeing the beginning. And part of verse 7 is that there's going to be an increase of pestilence. And you begin to see all of this happening. This is, you can't go on a journey, you can't uh, go anywhere until you initiate that first step. You've got to start out on that journey. You've got to start walking. And the only way you can do that is you have to get up and you have to begin that process. And what's happening spiritually is that God Almighty has got the church of the living God. We're here today for this hour that we will be salt and light and that we will have authority, plan, and purpose. I'm not an oops in the mind of a holy God. God wanted me to be here when the nations would be in trouble, when the world would be in trouble, and that I would have the faith to believe God and to believe His Word, and that I would not be a nervous wreck, but I would be rejoicing. Why? Because He said, when you see all these things, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And the redemption of the church is near at hand, ladies and gentlemen. And God had you alive and seeing it. People have said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I've never witnessed anything like this in my life. I've never heard of anything like this in my life. And you know what God's saying? He's saying, you're mighty right. I'm getting ready to wipe this thing up. I'm getting ready to close down the shop. I'm getting ready to pack up the church. I'm getting ready to take you home. And you need to be awakened. You need to be stirred as people of faith. Not to be defeated, not to be discouraged, not to live in a spirit of fear, but in a spirit of rejoicing. Not that someone's sick, not that someone's dying. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that God would allow me to be alive when there is trouble in the land, when there are problems to be solved all across the country and around the world, and that we could be a blessing to people that have no hope. And people that have no faith. If there's someone afraid on your street, 
if there's someone afraid or sick or if someone in your neighborhood were to get a, a virus, that you could be salt and you could be light and you could be a prayer comfort. You can use the social network. You can use the text. You can use the phone. You can quote scripture. You can give people hope. And what if someone doesn't have that hope? What if they don't have that joy? What if they don't have that assurance? My, what an opportunity to say today is the day of salvation that you can call upon the name of the Lord. And he said, if you'll ask me, I'll forgive you and I'll cover your sins and I'll give you life eternal. John chapter 3, verse number 16. It's still in the book and it's still alive today. Now look at this eighth verse one more time. All these are verses 5, 6, and 7. These are, God said, what are these things? He listed them for you in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. They are the beginning of sorrows. It's like a woman about to have a baby. She doesn't have the baby just instantly. The contraction of labor, the mother begins to travail for the birth, watch it now, of new life. Have we lost travail off the house of God? Is God pushing the church that we would be under such a burden that we realize how quickly we lost the privilege to be together in a building? How quickly we moved away from being able to shake hands and to greet each other and to give each other an encouraging word. And now we're alone in an apartment. We're alone in a house, a building, a motel room. Boy, the, the blessing of being together. And you know, you don't have to do this many services until you're not looking for an excuse to stay home on Sunday night. You're not looking for an excuse to stay home on Wednesday night. You're not looking for an excuse to miss the house of God because you'll begin to say, I am in a desert. I'm in a parched country. My soul aches and hungers and thirsts for the presence of God to hear the choir sing and to hear the testimony of the saints and to see the evidence of the hand of the moving of God when He sweeps in over a congregation and convicts our children, our young adults, our moms and dads and grandparents with His very divine and holy presence. You don't want to live alone in a spiritual desert. You don't want to be an outcast from the hand of God. And God would love us enough to let us go to church, to let us have Sunday school, to let us have training union, to let us have a time of encouragement for our children that are want us. You think of all those things we take for granted until they're removed. And now we can begin to say, Oh God, would you restore the hand of mercy to our land, to our city, and to our people? You see, if we're not careful, we'll miss the fact when God said all these things, verses 5, 6, and 7, are the beginning of sorrows, that God could allow a perfect storm of events to begin to form. The storm clouds are gathering. I told you, we're not in the tribulation but do you not see the tribulation clouds approaching? Do you not see the darkness that's on the land? Do you not see how we've abandoned God and the things of God? Events that will cause men to seek Him. And events 
that when men begin to realize, I can't make it without God. I've got to have His hand. I've got to have His mercy. And then for those that are redeemed, boy, to awaken us to be again, to pray again, and to work together and travail uh, together again for His precious hand. The most powerful event that you have ever witnessed in your life is happening today. America is in a state of emergency. America is on lockdown. 10,000 school systems already announced their closing and more are on the way. Universities, businesses, conventions, all stopped. The powerful little virus, coronavirus, has literally crippled the world. And yet it's so tiny, you cannot see it with the naked eye. Oh, but what if God were willing to show His wrath? What if God were willing? You see, when I hear things like this, it causes me to have a thankful heart. I thank God that I live in America. I thank God for the medical team, the doctors, the nurses that risk their lives every single day caring for us and loving on our families. And yet entire cities in America are being held hostage by a virus. And what are we suffering? We're suffering social separation. Actually, this little virus has forced all of us into a timeout. And the world is in a timeout. Think about this. The United Nations cannot get the business cranked up again. The European Union cannot fix the financial markets. NATO, the World Bank, even the World Health Organization with the power of all the nations of the world. And they can't write out a ticket and say, we're going to stop this virus today. Enough's enough. No one can stop it. It takes the hand and mercy of a holy God. Boy, if there's anything that ought to drive us to our knees, it would be that cry to God that we would cry out to mercy. God has placed the world in a time out. We thought we had it all planned out for the summer. All of our vacations, all of our spring breaks, all of our trips, all of what we're going to do. And then you turn around and everything has come to a screeching halt. Think about your soul and your eternity. Stop what you're doing. You see, it may be that God put everything on hold so that we could see the party has stopped in America. The clubs are closed. The nightlife has come to a screeching halt. In the business world, they're not doing commerce. The malls, the stores, they're closing. Do you know what God said? God said during the Great Tribulation that that's going to happen. And we're seeing a preview. We're seeing a preview of what's coming. What I just read to you, Matthew 24, verse 8. Revelation 18, verse number 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. Why? Why will they weep and mourn? For no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. They're going to weep and mourn. Not over sick people. They're not going to weep and mourn over war. They're going to weep and mourn that somebody's not spending money. Have we knelt down to the God of materialism? That's the most important thing. Is it money that makes the decision in your life? Have you forgotten the importance of a holy God? 
what really matters? You know what? I bet there's not one person that's suffering in a, under a respirator today or a ventilator today that's very, very sick that it matters to them how much money is in the bank or what kind of cars in the parking lot of the hospital or what kind of suit is manufactured and hanging in their closet. You know why? Because these little things will fail you and they will destroy right at your very fingertips. They can be taken away by rust and by moth and by corruption. And God said, you need to know what really matters. It's that soul inside of you that's going to live forever somewhere. You need to understand today that, ladies and gentlemen, God's waking us up to what really matters in life. There's no escape from reality. The virus has stopped commerce. It stopped sports. America's sports crazy. There's more sports channel on cable systems than anything else. Everywhere you go around the world, it's every multiple sports channels. And we, we love travel, commerce, sports. And you know what? We can't escape reality because why? Because now... The party's over. I'm isolated at home. Wait a minute. There's no baseball game to watch. The Masters has been canceled. Do you realize that all of a sudden people are going to have to be at the house and they're going to have to think about their own lives? They're going to have to think about their own mortality? And they're going to have to think about where will I spend eternity? You see... We need to realize it's a time to call upon the name of the Lord. Luke chapter 21, verse 26, it actually says men's hearts failing them for fear. We need to realize that God has given us the promises of His Word. He's given us the hope that we could have joy in the midst of the storm and that we'd not be afraid. If a little virus can do all this to America and to the world, Matthew 24, verse 7 says, There shall be famine. That's what we said out of that desert locust. 26 million in just a couple of African nations in danger of starving to death. And there shall be pestilence. But this isn't the first pestilence we've had, you know. We've had the great flu epidemics. We've had swine flu. We've had SARS. And now we've got coronavirus. You think about that. And it seems like at each level, a little more intensification, a little stronger. It's like God starts out saying, you need to wake up, earth. You need to wake up, earth. You need to wake up, earth. Hey, the Lord's coming, and God's letting event after event to rattle the world to wake us up. And God has literally hit the pause button for the world that now... There's not a party, there's not a ball game, there's not a stadium, there's not a concert, there's not a convention. No. And what's going to happen during this time? There's a verse of Scripture that talks about it. It's in the book of Psalms, chapter 46 and verse number 10. God said this simple statement, Be still and know that I am God. And ladies and gentlemen, God is making time available for us to think about Him and to think about what really matters in our lives. I ask you this question this Sunday. Has God placed America in this time out? Has God got us at this intersection with Major League Baseball, 
National Hockey League, NFL, NBA, no events, no games, no seasons. ACC, we love in North Carolina, we love March Madness, we love round ball, but yet that's all going to be gone. The Masters, no. Concerts, conventions, students overseas, they've got to come home. Spring break plans have been changed. Tours and travel come to a screeching halt. All of it canceled. But here comes the kicker. We're supposed to go home. And we're supposed to have social separation. God has literally organized a be still and know I am God demonstration. There's nowhere else to go. I've got to go home. No plane, no train, no car. Stay at home. No party, no crowd, no peers. Stay at home. Just you and your God. Just you and your thoughts. If you've ever been saved by the grace of God and you're a person of faith, this could provoke the greatest revival in our land we have ever seen. We could be encouraged to pray one for another and to hold each other up and to have a new love for the Scriptures and the Word of God like never before. And if you've never been a believer, if you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, you say, Pastor Ralph, I, I joined a church. I was sprinkled. I was baptized. I learned the catechism. I came and took Eucharist and Holy Communion. I celebrated the Lord's Supper. I went to the baptismal pool. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not one verse of Scripture that points to ritual in the Word of God for salvation. We do not need religion or we do not need ritual. But what we need while we're in time out is we need to call upon the name of the Lord and look up to heaven and say, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That this would be the day of saving grace. Just me and you having that opportunity to call upon the Lord. Our holy God that loved us and made us and prepared for us a place for all eternity. But you know, where we're sitting today in America is we were a nation that didn't want prayer. But now, but now, I heard a celebrity requesting prayer on the news this weekend. A celebrity. He wasn't worried about political correctness. He said, we need your prayers. We need your prayers. A nation that didn't want a Bible in the classroom, now they're opening the closet door and saying, where's mama's Bible? Where's grandmama's Bible? I, I, I know she had one. Where did we put that? Let's look up those verses that she underlined for us. A nation that didn't want God, a nation that didn't want Jesus, all of a sudden we're saying, oh God, please have mercy on us. God, extend love for us and give us mercy. You see, for the lost person, it's a time of realizing that there is an eternity and you will live in eternity forever and ever. That's not Walt Disney World. That's not a Hollywood production. That's reality. I thought this weekend they were announcing that Broadway in New York is shut down and the lights have been cut off that Hollywood stopping filming movies and traveling because of the fear of the virus. And I thought all the pretending and all the make-believe 
is now fading away. No one's filming a rock video this week. No one's traveling and doing a concert. All the fantasy and all the pretend, it's all crumbling away. And the stark reality that I'm just a human being and I have seen what happens when man cannot redeem himself or save himself. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, If you have been redeemed, that the spirit of fear is not your armor. The spirit of fear does not belong to you, child of God. You say, Pastor Ralph, you just talked about how bad it is around the world. But it's not the end. Read that text carefully. God said, but this is not the end yet. It's a merciful God giving us one more opportunity to look up to heaven and say, God, have mercy on us. If you're not saved, I say, please forgive me of my sins and I'll trust you today for salvation. Today's the day that God has made that opportunity available. And to the Bible believer, ours is to take this verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, the power of His holy word and of love, that we'll love people and we'll pray for people and we'll be a compassionate people. And then we'll be of a sound mind that we'll have our confidence built upon the Word of God. We won't live in fear. We won't be intimidated by the things of this old world. I want to celebrate the fact one more time that I am not a victim. I'm a victor in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to be encouraged at home. I want you to look up and rejoice. And I want you to have that peace that passes understanding. Now, listen, you're at the house. You're watching online. Pull that big 18-rig, 18 18-wheeler 18 over to the side of the road. You've been listening on your phone. I want you to pull over, find a place to pull over. I want us all to pray together. I want us to call upon the name of the Lord. If you don't know him in the free pardon of sin, this day was ordained by God for you. A day you can get it settled. I confess my sins. God have mercy on me. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. This is the day. This is the hour. This is the place. And if you are saved and you're at home and you're a mother, you're a father, you got children, you got grandchildren. Oh, this is the day to make that recommitment in the family. Family, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to go to church. We are going to pray. We are going to invite people to go with us to the house of the Lord because we realize what really matters. Through this ordeal of seeing our nation shut down and seeing countries shut down, it doesn't take you long to find out where the anchor is and to understand my anchor is the Word of God and it holds in the time of storms. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of encouragement. And I want you to be strengthened and to be encouraged in the Lord. Pastor Winston's going to come and he's going to lead you in a prayer for salvation. For you that are trusting today, this is the day you want to pray. You want to believe the Lord for salvation. You confess to him, I need you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. And then a prayer of encouragement and comfort. Boy, the church ought to be celebrating. We're at the house. We're having a cup of coffee. We're studying the Word of God together. 
and that God's not going to leave us or forsake us, that I have that truth of his precious word today. You come, pray with us. Let's all pray together, shall we? Brother Winston, you come. Amen, Pastor. What a uh, message. I love you, buddy. As Pastor Ralph has preached the word of God, and if you're home or if you're on the road, as he mentioned, I would invite you at this time to take a moment to pause, to turn down the distractions of everything around you, and for just a moment, allow the Holy Spirit of God to inspect your heart. Today could be a life-changing day. And as Pastor mentioned, who knows what God could do with a day like this. Maybe you were supposed to be in another church today. Maybe you were supposed to be here at Trinity Baptist Church at 216 Shelburne Road. Maybe you were supposed to be on vacation and God had this set up today for you to hear this message that Jesus loves you, that He cares for you, that there is hope in Christ and that today your everything can change. Not because of a church, not because of what Facebook can do, but what because of what Jesus can do because of what Jesus can do in your life. And I want to read a verse from the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul said it so plainly and so clearly in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9 and 10. He said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Now this is personal. This is you and me, our personal responsibility. It doesn't matter who your father is, your mother is. It doesn't matter where you go to church. Every single person has a responsibility to know where they stand today with Christ. But he said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Today, this all can change your entire world of pain and brokenness. It can change today. Maybe you're watching Facebook today and you feel all alone. Well, Jesus can change it all today. Just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Let's pray together. And if you're watching today and you want to pray this prayer, if you're sincere in your heart and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I invite you to pray this prayer from your heart, with your mind and with your words. And then if you do pray this prayer and you've accepted Jesus Christ to come into your heart today, we want to hear from you. We want to send you a gift. We want to get your name and we want to invite you into the church. As pastor said before, the church is not a building. The church is a group of people, a body of believers. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. God, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I believe in my heart today that you are God and that you are in control. And God, today I pray for those that are listening on Facebook. God, those that are tuning in on the radio. Father, to the ones that are searching and looking for something in their heart. Today, Father, I pray that through and by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God would draw those into Him today that need a Savior. And Father, for those listening today that want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God, would you impress upon their hearts today to pray this prayer. Father, forgive me. I am a sinner. God, I need you to change my life. Forgive me of my sins. God, I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. Father, change me and become the ruler of my life. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for Calvary. And I thank you for the truth of your word. If you prayed that prayer today, 
Would you call the number on your screen? Would you write to us? Would you let us know? We simply want to tell you that we love you, that we're praying for you, and we want to invite you to be a part of something bigger than any person, bigger than any personality. It's all about the kingdom of Jesus Christ and what he's doing through and by his Holy Spirit. We love you. We thank you for tuning in to today's message. And I know so very many of you are tuning in from different states. Maybe you're tuning in from a different country. We want to say to you, we're praying for you. We're asking God to protect you. And if you need prayer help, if you need to talk to someone, the church office will be open all week long. You can call and you can get help today. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. May God keep you in his grace and his peace. And may we all stick to the anchor as we together sit and time out. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when He speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have Him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror, the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how is that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.